Hey there, this is Christian. This is Alexis. Welcome to Talk History to Me. This is our fifth episode about the H.M. Prison Shepton Mallet. Under King James I's decree that each county was obligated to construct a correction house, Her Majesty's Prison Shepton Mallet was built in 1610, and at the time of its closure in 2013, it was the oldest operating prison in Britain. Before getting to the prison, I'm going to give you a little background about King James who gave this decree. King James was the only son of Mary, Queen of Scots, and when she was forced to abdicate her throne, he became King James VI of Scotland at the age of one. So what about his dad? His dad actually died in a house explosion when James was only eight months old. Oh, damn. He became allies with Queen Elizabeth I of England, who we will definitely do an episode on one day because I'm pretty obsessed with her. When she had Mary executed, he made protests, but stayed true to his alliance. And when Queen Elizabeth of England, aka the Virgin Queen, passed away without an heir, he then became King James I of England. He was the first monarch to rule over Scotland, Ireland, and England. And while I won't go into all of his reign, he was known for being a hard believer in divine rights and wrote The True Law of Free Monarchies and Basilicon Thoron in which he really harps on the king's divine rights thing. He also oversaw the English translation of the Bible in 1611, which was later dubbed the King James Version. So just to be clear, he was King James VI of Scotland, but King James I of England. Yeah. So kind of like a dual title with his, which, how many Jameses there have been. Okay, cool. I'm just nifty. Yeah, so like if you look into him, you're going to see the sixth and the first sometimes, and it's the same guy. Yeah, cool. Uh, anyway, to get back on topic, in 1609, he declared that every county was obligated to construct a correction house. And so in response to this declaration, the Shepton Mallet prison was constructed. Going forward, I will refer to the prison as Shepton Mallet, but keep in mind that Shepton Mallet is also a town, and whenever I'm referring to that town, I will explicitly let you know, but calling it the HM Prison Shepton Mallet is a little bit of a mouthful. So, it was a one-acre plot of land purchased by Reverend Edward Barnards. The prison held people for all types of offenses and, and didn't discriminate between men, women, and children. So there was a lot of, like, petty thieves, debtors. Burglars. Anyway, this was, like, a correction facility at the time. So it was supposed to be, like, no major crimes at this time. They were supposed to be corrected and be put back out. It was kind of just, like, mostly people kind of done on their luck at this point in time. Picking up people who didn't have work or weren't working. Maybe sometimes if they kind of refused to work. If they were just kind of, like, not contributing members of society kind of stuff. Yeah, like I saw one guy like stole a lamb or something and that's what put him there. So it was kind of, it sounded like at first it was for people kind of down on their luck, but many of these prisoners could not read or write and some, so potentially many of the prisoners actually had mental health issues. Since many, many considered these prisoners as vagrants and lowlifes, records were not well kept of them, they didn't think it was worth their time, 
And as you can imagine, the conditions in the prison were harsh and disease was very rampant, including fevers and venereal diseases. During this time, there wasn't an on-site medical professional, and the best they had was a local surgeon who really only came by to pronounce deaths. He didn't really help out that much. Most of the bodies of the prisoners were buried in unmarked graves on unconsecrated land. In 1685, the Monmouth Rebellion took place against King James II in southwest England. Duke of Monmouth, who was a bastard son of Charles II, was persuaded by Duke of Argyle of Scotland, who had beef with James to lead a rebellion. Monmouth became king at Taunton, which is pretty nearby to Shipton Mallet, the city, but gained little support overall, and with his followers being inferior compared to a king's army, he was unable to take Bristol, and then shortly after, Monmouth was captured and executed. Under the bloody assizes, which were like a court system, like it was trials, these rebels and the followers of Monmouth were harshly and brutally punished. Just to give a little quick uh, picture here, you got Bristol. Just south of that is Shepton Mallet. And then kind of further southwest is uh, Taunton. Yeah. And so it's kind of positioned right in between these two big cities where this rebellion happened. The Monmouth sympathizers were executed in various locations with 12 of them being at the Shepton Mallet City. While the executions were public in the marketplace, it is likely they were held in the prison before the executions. The executions were brutal, and they were sentenced to be hanged and drawn and quartered by Judge Jeffries. Judge Jeffries was apparently a really harsh, cruel, vile man. Everything I read said that he was just brutal. So he sounds like an asshole. <laughs> um... I actually found the original decree of the rebels being punished, and I'm going to read it out. It's tough because it's old school English, so I mean, it is, it's rough, but bear with me. Edward Hobbs, sheriff of Ye County aforesaid, to the constables and other his matey officers of the city and borough of Bath greeting, whereas I have received a warrant under the hand and seal of the right honorable the Lord Jeffreys for the executing of several rebels within your city. Bath is a place nearby. Yeah. Right? And the Lord, Honorable Lord Jeffries is that Judge Jeffries that you were just talking about, right? Yes. There you go. So right now, they're basically announcing they're about to, they just received a sentencing. These are therefore to will and require you immediately on site hereof to erect a gallows in the most public place of your city to hang the said traitors on and that you provide halters to hang them with, a sufficient number of faggots to burn the bowels of foul traders, and salt to boil therewith, half a bushel to each trader, and tar to tar them with, and sufficient number of spears and poles to fix and place their heads and quarters, and that you warn the owners of the foul oxen to be ready with a dray and wain in the said foul oxen at the time of execution, and you yourselves together with the guard of 40 able men at the least to be present on Wednesday morning next by 8 of the clock to be aiding and assisting to me or my deputy to see that said rebels executed. Given under my seal of office this 16th day of November 1685, you are also to provide an axe and a cleaver for the quartering of the said rebels. So essentially, these rebels are being quartered, drawn and quartered by oxen, it sounds like. Yep. And then 
They're being boiled. They're being salted. Uh, the city's being asked to build a gallows in the market, public place or something like that. It's the most public yeah. place of the town. And then they're going to put the body parts and the heads on spikes and poles around the city. Earlier, you mentioned a sufficient number of faggots to burn the bowels with. That's using the old English terminology, which is sticks, bundles of sticks to stoke yes, a fire. To uh, burn the bowels of uh, these traitors. Um, and salt them, I guess, to keep them relatively preserved or something so that you can... Anyway, it's a pretty uh, brutal you said display. And tar to tar them? That's to maybe like gut them almost? Right, like, yeah. Just, it was a very, very brutal punishment and it was made public. For everyone to see. And those unfortunate souls were housed at Shepton Mallet prior to this execution. Yeah. Right? Or believed to be. Moving along, so that was late 1600s. The prison is still being worked out. I shouldn't say prison. The correction house is still... I've been calling it a prison. Yeah, it is. And it, anyway. And it's doing its thing. And as we already mentioned, records... As we've already mentioned, records aren't extremely well kept. But essentially, it's performing its duties. Switching gears just a little, little bit, uh, there's an Englishman by the name of John Howard, born in 1726 and dies in 1790, and he inherits his father's wealth in 1742, like a lot of wealth. He kind of does his own thing for 30 years, unimportant, and in 1773, he decides to become the sheriff of Bedfordshire. And while fulfilling his duties, he quickly became appalled at the unsanitary conditions of the Bedford jail. So... Looking into this, he found that jailers were not paid salary and they were dependent on prisoner fines. So that's what I saw at the beginning of this one as well at the um, Shepton Mallet is that the jailers didn't get a salary. They just took bribes and so they would be paid, like they would give alcohol to the prisoners and be paid in fees from the prisoners. Right. And so, so I was just going to say there was a lot of disorderly conduct and uh, a lot of uh, sexual deviance. Right. And so what this leads to happening is that some people would be acquitted and jailers wouldn't let them go because they wanted the prisoner to somehow come up with the money to pay them because they were kind of dependent on that net. Hey, we got 10 guys in jail. Hopefully we get that fee from them because they weren't paid. So did he ever do anything about it? Yeah. And so John Howard was not all happy about this. He put his wealth and he kind of, by the end of his life, he's called like John Howard, the philanthropist and this, he, he has a kind of a nice title to his name. And so he worked with the House of Commons to pass two acts. One, when someone's acquitted, their fee should be nullified and they should be discharged and freed in open court. So I guess before that wasn't as clear. These are all things that you might think is intuitive, but essentially you could be acquitted and that's all in paperwork and then no one ever comes and knocks on your door and lets you out of your prison. So take them out of the prison, tell them in court, and then they can say they can walk free. Great. And then two, the state should ensure some standard of health for prisoners because... Like we were mentioning before, people getting smallpox and just absolutely dying in there. And that all these people committed atrocious crimes. I mean, they're, some of them yeah. hopefully would get let back out. But if you die within a couple months, what's the point of the prison? Howard actually visited the Shepton Mallet prison around that time when he submitted his work to the House of Commons. And the quote is as follows. Some are seen pining under diseases, expiring on the floors, in loathsome cells of pestilential fevers, and the confluent smallpox. Victims, I will not say uh, to cruelty, but I must say to the inattention of the sheriffs and gentlemen in the commission of peace. The cause of this distress is that many prisoners are scantily supplied and some 
almost totally unprovided with the necessities of life. Damn. Yeah, not the best. Pretty scathing. And this is basically what he ended up doing with the rest of his life. He was a sheriff, and he was like, hey, I'm going to go from prison to prison. And he was a big prison reformist saying this is wrong. So with his words and the general recognition that this is a pretty terrible situation, in 1790, the prison would get some of those renovations and additions that it needed. However, sources say that the overall arrangement of the prison would remain disjointed arrangement of various buildings. It wasn't until 1820 that the prison was overhauled to fit the quadrangle style. So uh, what is the quadrangle style? So it's where you got an open courtyard surrounded by buildings. Okay, so kind of what you imagine the prison to be now? Yeah, it's kind of intuitive, right? If you build, if you have an outdoor area, and instead of putting a fence on that and just an access point to it, like just build your buildings around it, and then there's no way you can get out of the outdoor area without going back into the prison. And so the one side of it was the old original stuff from the 1790s that I just talked about, and the other three sides were completed by these new additions. So it's actually quite a big buildup, and now you had this interior courtyard. And actually the cells opened into the interior courtyard. Fun fact, if your college has a quad, typically they're in this style. There's like a shared communal yard in the middle of it and buildings around the sides. It doesn't have to be completely covered, by the way. It can be like three-fourths covered. So I actually watched a tour of the prison. And so the original section that you're talking about, right, those cells open interior to the courtyard. And they were just like a cement room with like no space no anything because obviously they were it was built in the 1600s like there's there's no sink no toilet it was absolutely appalling and then the new cells that were built i mean still suck they're still really bad prison cells but at least they had like toilets and sinks right a little bit more modernized if you want to call it for 1820 and so this was the style to be building your prison in apparently around the places they figured out this is actually a really nice way to to be building things and so they basically met up with that style so the northmost building was an administrative building and the other sides of the quads being used as additional cell blocks. In 1823, a tread wheel was installed. It's also kind of on the northwest side. And actually, if you look it up on the maps, one of the parts of the walls doesn't look like the other. It looks thicker. That's where the tread wheel was installed. Anywho, it was installed as a form of labor punishment. So can you uh, tell us what a tread wheel is? Yeah, so a tread wheel... Is a form of human-powered machinery to do tasks such as grinding grain. So unlike like a water mill, whose wheels are turned by the flow of water, like you put the wheel in a river, it turns for you, and then you can use that energy, a tread wheel replaces the water with people. So imagine a massive wooden wheel made with slats along its outer edge such that you can imagine yourself stepping along it. Kind of like a hamster wheel, except you're stepping on the outside. Yeah, it's like a stair-stepper, right? Yeah, like a stair like a, Yeah, like a stairmaster. There you go. That's perfect. Um, but this wheel is gigantic, so it can be twice the size of a person. These aren't the actual dimensions, but just looking at depictions and pictures of the period and time, big, big wheel. And it was large enough to have 40 individuals side by side on it simultaneously. That's a lot. There would be dividers between the prisoners. So essentially while you're on the stair stepper, you can't be like bumping your neighbor and you can't get up to too much shenanigans and all that stuff. You weren't really interacting with somebody. So there's always more slots and and some of these old photos of them there's like a number 12 so you'd be like hey inmate lot two for the day anywho this one was installed by a milling company in the town of shepton mallet and the prisoners actually did they ran the machinery for the mill while they were working on the 
tread wheel. So they were basically performing manual labor for a local business. Anywho, interestingly enough, these were used more and more around England, and sometimes they would just have the prisoners stirring sand because it's just brutal, it's hot, you're standing up there. Yeah, it was like a punishment. Yeah, just punishment. Although, you can look in our sources, but there's some letters and transmissions stated, and there's a lot of people who say, you know what, the prisoners love it, they'd rather be on the treadwheel rather than in their cells all day, which might be true, but this is being written by the management of the prison not by the prisoners themselves. There could be a little bit of skewing. Except got banned in England after a certain point for punishment. Details, so. details, details. Um, no, it was very brutal. Uh, there's a lot of talk of ruptures, which after looking into that is apparently hernias. So people, while working on these, um, we get hernias. There was a account of somebody who apparently got their arm severely lacerated and he lost a finger to the treadwheel. But the, the dude writing, and I, for, I apologize, I don't know the individuals writing these letters, but... They had to report it, and they said it's because he was trying to fish something out while he was on break while the thing was running. So you would be like 10 minutes on, 5 minutes off or something like this. I don't know how the schedule was, but while he was on break, apparently he was fishing around the clocks, and that's how he got hurt. He wasn't actually used. So they, they, they literally say, technically mm-hmm. speaking, it was not due to the use of the treadwheel, but rather the actions of somebody near the treadmill, but not its operation. It's doing great kind of thing. Like literally, if you read that, anyway, it's interesting. So I have a fun fact about the uh, treadwheel real quick. The uh, Shepton Mallet prison had quite a few prison escapes. And one of the escapes where obviously you have to have some kind of tubing go through the wall to get outside for the grain. Right. It's, yeah, yeah. One of the prisoners escaped in that really tiny, small hole, which I guess most people would not be able to fit in. And he shimmied his way through there, and that's how he escaped from the prison. There you go. And he was caught pretty shortly after. Yeah. <laughs> but just another fun fact about that. Good effort. It definitely it had a uh, connection to the, the mill on the outside, right? It literally was doing, yeah. or like the engine of the mill. Fun fact. Should read about treadmills or treadwheels. I saw one called both. Yeah. The, t- some people argue it's like about the design, but the point is, is that they were just like a human engine. And while this was used for punishment, it was just a really effective way of, like if you had voluntary people, it's basically you're making a machine and you're using humans to power it. And it's kind of cool. There's a lot of like wacky designs for like the Romans and all that stuff. Anywho. Moving along, in the 1830s, a plan was drafted up by the Somerset County Surveyor, Richard Carver. Somerset County, that's this area of Shepton Mallet, correct? That's like yes, the greater that's Shepton the Mallet area. They started implementing some small changes, but the prison was kind of hitting its capacity even with these renovations. So further alterations were made to his original plan in 1840. Changes occurred to all the cell blocks, including an addition of an upper story on all the buildings. Previously, the cells that were opened up into the courtyard, they were closed off. So now the quadrangle courtyard had no more doors opening up to it directly from like a cell. One of the blocks received an additional aisle. So you had, if you're walking down as a guard, you had cells on your left and cells on your right. Before it was just one wall and they walked open to the courtyard, it was closed off. The other one just has cells on the right, which is kind of interesting because it's just this really long, narrow hallway and a wall and then you open a cell door and that's that, that's all there is to it but it's just kind of a renovation of what they could afford time kind of thing a chapel was also constructed at this time and a female ward was built so now they try to separate male and female folks and they were figuring out that there's a lot of spread of disease and a lot of mischief going on <laughs> in the prison uh, funnily enough they actually call a lot of these like bad acts mischief and stuff in the letters anyway um, which kind of helped with regulating the prison all right richard carver 
a lot of his works were on chapels and churches. And I just kind of wonder, I'm not really getting this from anywhere, but the addition of a chapel, I wonder if that was maybe his little brainchild, because this was one of the only prisons he had worked on in his career, but he worked on a lot of churches. Anywho, as sources note, the prison today largely consists of these structures from 18, the 1840 construction. As things chugged along semi-regularly until 1884, where it then was called, or it then was transferred to be a county jail. 1884, right? 1884, yeah. Stumped, right? Oh, I apologize. Uh, so that's a transition from it being the House of Correction. The tread wheel was terminated later in 1903, and the mechanism was deconstructed. The building itself, or like the infrastructure around that itself, uh, was converted into a place where prisoners can perform industrial work. And I believe like the upper floor of it turned into like a little infirmary and stuff. But they just repurposed the old tread wheel. In 1904, the next year, there was a fire. And according to the historian Francis Disney, guards and prisoners alike worked together to put out the flames. Impressively, no prisoners escaped during that time, though that might be a testament to the 75-foot walls. So I actually read, about, read a bit about this fire as well. It was the roof of Sea Wing that was on fire on Saturday, July 2nd, around 10.20 p.m. And because of the wind that night, it actually spread really quickly. Once the governor heard about the fire, he ordered the prison to sound the alarms, and he contacted the brewery fire brigade for assistance. So there was a local brewery in town, and it was called the Anglo-Bavarian Brewery, and they actually helped assist in fires, and they actually received many awards for their fire brigade. The brewery was also the first production facility in Britain to sell lager. I read that from the brewery was founded in a very short period of time after there. They employed mainly German brewmasters and they just really just generated it out like apparently really nice and tasty lager. But there were like a big yeah. introduction of that type of brewing style to England. Yeah, no, it was very cool. Unfortunately, they went out of business at the beginning of a... Uh, World War One, because obviously Germany was kind of the enemy and having Bavarian, all of the people in town stopped selling or buying German affiliated stuff. And they tried changing their name to the Anglo Brewery, but it was too late at that point And they, they went down. Apparently they had a lot of like proud flags and emblem, like their, their building was very emblematic of it. So even though they switched the name, yeah. they had the history and also just the... But it's very neat because they also did fire stuff. So they actually put out a lot of fires. There's like a pretty extensive history of everything that they did. And it looks like they didn't really do it at any charge. It was kind of like something they did for their community. The prison actually closed for a short period of time in 1930. During World War II, the prison kind of became hopping again. One thing that is notable is that it actually started to house important documents, such as the Domesday Book, uh, which is a record made by Order of William I in 1086 which contained the extent of land, ownership, and the liabilities in England. It contained the Magna Carta and the logs of Nelson's flagship HMS Victory. So they kind of stored those there for a while. But as things got worse and Germany started bombing places, they split everything up in different locations. So nothing was, if they got hit, it wasn't destroying everything. Right on. In 1942, also during World War II, the American, the American government took it over and turned it into a military prison and execution site. Under the Visiting Forces Act from 1942, justice could be served on British soil. To accommodate these executions, a new wing was added 
and it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because it was like red brick, which didn't fit the whole like stone look of the rest of the prison. It contained new gallows, British style, on the first floor and contained two condemned cells, which are cells where the prisoners would stay prior to an execution. 18 of the 96 total American servicemen in Europe and North Africa were executed at this prison. That's about 17%, right? Yeah. And uh, the crimes of these men who averaged 21.5 years old, which is pretty young, Mm. included uh, murder, rape, or a combination of them. Most of them were murder, then rape, and then the combination. Of these men, 10 were African-American, 3 were Latino, and 5 were white. Most of these men's trials lasted less than a day, and under American military law, rape and murder were both death penalty offenses. So if you were found guilty of either, you were sentenced to death. Most of the men were executed by hanging. There's a man named Albert Pierrepoint, who was an English hangman, like his father before him, the family biz, who executed between 400 and 600 people before the end of his career in 1956, who wrote in his autobiography that the method of the American normal style of hanging was not legal in the UK. And... So instead, UK style was performed, although other American customs were allowed, such as last words. So what exactly makes a particular hanging of the UK style or the American style? So there's actually four types of hanging styles. Yippee. Yeah. Uh, There's the short drop, the suspension, the normal drop, and the measure drop. The short drop involves a drop of a few inches, and it doesn't break the person's neck and causes them to die by strangulation or vagal reflex. Yeah. Essentially, it's a a drastic drop in blood pressure, and so your heart just kind of stops. There's a variation to this called pole hanging, which is kind of when there's like a really big pole, and there's a hook at the top with a noose. And so the executioner, like, yeah, get on my shoulders, props (laughs) them up puts their head in the noose and then as they fall it tightens and it's the same style of like strangulation and then there is suspension hanging where the person is actually lifted by the neck and then is hoisted up there Um, yeah i know so that's just straight up suffocation next is the normal method which was most common by americans and it involves a drop between four to six feet this method often doesn't really result in neck breaking, though, and involves the person struggling for a time afterwards. And then lastly is the measure drop, which became universal in Britain in 1874, and it involved calculating the height and weight of a person and adjusting the drop to ensure that their neck broke. So it's supposed to be more of a like humane way of doing it. Fun fact, uh, Albert Pierpoint mentioned that he hated the American style of the normal drop because he said it was excruciating and sickening during that time period. He had to wait for them to say their last words because normally you take them out of the cell and within a minute they've been executed. Normally under his uh, British style. Yeah, normally under British style. But for the American style, since their offenses were read out, like their charges, and then they had the time to read or like say their last words, He was like, those minutes were sickening because he just had to stand there and he had to listen to the person he was about to execute. Um, So he apparently did not care for the American's way. 
Also, also, another fun fact. Less so, not, not so fun, but yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I mean, go ahead. I just want to make I was sure. Say, it was his uncle who did most of the executions of the Americans. Yeah. Um, so it was a real family business. Yeah. <laughs> After the war, the prison went back under British military control. So for this, so for, from like the conception of the prison, essentially, it's been in use with a brief break at the 1930s, right? Yeah. Uh, so there you go. I mean, now we're only in 1900s and we started in the 16-somethings. Anywho, so back under British military control, and in 1959, there was a riot where 13 prisoners were court-martialed. Among these, among those kept were the Cray brothers and Charlie Richardson, who all became gang rivals a decade later. And apparently, like, gang rivals to the extent where they kind of, like, ran the city and they had, like, a blood feud against each other. Just a, another tangent. Um, according to a guard by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Peter Andrews, he was a guard from 63 to 65, so a couple years after the riot. But he said, Nowadays, prisoners get a cell to themselves, but then they were packed in. So essentially, apparently they had multiple prisoners to individual cells, and this could have kind of led to some of the attitudes that may have caused a riot. By 1966, the military was no longer needed for the prison, and the, their control of it finally ended. It once again became a civilian prison and remained one until its closure in 2013. There you go. I was reading that after it stopped being a prison... I was looking into it, and once it was no longer a prison, people went to it, and they were finding, like, tunnels and stuff underneath, and so there was almost, like, um, like water drainage, like, manhole cover kind of things. Sure. And they lifted a bunch of them, and when they looked down, there was, like, bars and cells down under the ground, hmm. and they think there's, there's, like, maybe some tunnels down there, but I couldn't see anything or read anything about, like, what that led to. I also saw some things about like staircases that kind of just stopped and then barred windows that were like bricked all the way up. And so it seems interesting. It, I mean, like I said, it was like constructed and reconstructed multiple times using yeah. like 1600 architecture and then didn't have too much renovations for a hundred years. And so there's very likely that some of this is just lost to the, to the winds of stuff. I know in modern times, the gallows room that you were talking about where they hung people. Over time, it was converted into a library, and a gentleman by the name of Francis Disney, I believe no relation to Disney we may all be thinking of, he was actually the librarian at the prison in more recent years, and he became a historian of the place, and he kind of wrote like multiple books on it, and I think he's, he's cited to oblivion about the history of the prison and some of the big events that happened from... Uh, I, I know one thing that he wrote about, two prisoners were working in the churchyards, cleaning the garden or something... And then they escaped, but apparently they were acquitted by, they were pardoned because they escaped because they saw somebody in distress in their home and they went and they saved them or something along the lines of this or someone who needed help. And so like, so they broke out of the prison to help somebody. They must be mm -hmm. decent. And so I don't know if they're, I don't think they were pardoned of their crimes, but they're, they're pardoned for the offense of leaving the prison kind of thing. That actually reminds me, there was quite a few prison escapes. Right, yeah. And most of them they were returned back to the prison pretty quickly within a few hours. I mean, some people were able, they like tied their sheets together. So it was like a group of like groups of people, like three men would tie all their sheets together. And then 
go off the side of the 75-foot wall. Uh, there was also a firing squad wall, which mm. apparently was pretty horrifying. I was reading that hangings typically took place at like 1 in the morning, and then firing squad took place at like 8 in the morning. In case you're wondering about the time. Apparently, I just researched the gruesome, yeah. horrible stuff. Uh, if you actually check out this prison on like Google Maps, you can kind of see, and if you read some of the documentation, you can see how like the different parts of it were built. If you go into Street View, just if you want to appreciate it, those 75-foot walls should not be underestimated, man, because from all sides of this thing, from the Street View, you can't see anything. I mean, the walls are still standing to this day, and I mean, it... I would have a hard time if I was standing on the other side of that and thinking, hey, let me try to get out of this thing. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I think, else? I think that's it. It was uh, doors closed, you said, 2013. I believe all the workers of the prison then walked to a local pub and people bought them drinks. Um, Obviously, there's tons of stories about it being haunted. Right on, yeah. Because uh, there was quite a few executions there and just poor conditions. I don't know what the status of it is, but I think today, in, or at least I know in 2019, they were going to offer over-the-night stays in the prison. But um, Yeah. They I also have like an escape room in the prison where right. they'll put you in a cell and you have to escape it. And I feel like that just feels a little too real. <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually the, the, I don't know if it's a historical site. I know there's a couple petitions out there and some people are concerned that the prison might not be maintained and loved the same way. I mean, they don't necessarily want it to be a prison again, but just as a site of you know basically some parts of it existed in the 1600s and all that stuff i mean it's a really impressive yeah site i know people maintain. are advocating to make it a museum and just like have all the history in there and whatnot yeah but yeah i thought it was a really nifty story about a basically just a building that's been here for 400 years yeah if you google it it says it's like one of the oldest like functioning prisons in the world because it was in use for so long yeah I mean, constructed in 1610 and shut down in 2013. So. That's a pretty decent run. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, I think that's our topic. I hope you all enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Our intro song is Talk to Me by Hank Honey. He is absolutely incredible. Be sure to look him up on social media or listen to him on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to music.